Miles Michaelis's efforts are wasted as the offense no-shows against the Nationals ahead of their trip to London. This is Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinals fans. I'm J.D. Haffern, and I'm a national radio sports anchor. Born and raised in the Lou and a lifetime Cardinals fan, and I'm your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio and the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals. want to thank those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us in places like uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. If you haven't found us on YouTube yet, be sure to come on over and like and subscribe and comment. That way you can interact with us. Hit the notification button so you know when new episodes are posted. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. Today's episode being brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So going into Wednesday's game, the Cardinals had had a lot of momentum, right? You know, they're going into the game... um, final game of their three-game series against against the Nationals. They'd won four in a row. Had arguably their, their best pitcher on the mound, and Miles Michaelis were about to get two days off before traveling to London for their series against the Cubs. Things were kind of looking up for them, right? Now, the London thing, you can look at that as either, A, a fun adventure, <laughs> or you can look at it as, B, a uh, pain in the butt. Personally, I think it's something they should be looking forward to. But then again, I'm not a professional baseball player who is constantly on planes and traveling for six months of the year. I get I get excited to take a plane ride anywhere. But I can see how having to pack for a road trip that began in New York last weekend, and then you had to go to Washington, and now you're off to London, how that might seem more of a bit of an inconvenience than uh, you know some some fun trip like a normal tourist would make. And um, you know, what's been going on, uh, Cardinals fans were relishing in the fact that the Cardinals, once again, had won four in a row. You know, they're um, going for a series sweep against the Nationals, a team that, let's be honest, you should be sweeping, okay? The Washington Nationals aren't very good. And I, for one, was hoping that the Cardinals would show up on Wednesday with a kind of killer attitude heading into Wednesday's game, ready to finish off a, an inferior opponent before, you know, jetting off <laughs> on their trip to London. But unfortunately, that's not what we got on what was a dreary and rainy day in D.C. Just just coming into the game, like watching it on TV, you just kind of had the feeling like, I don't even know if I want to watch this. This looks like it's going to be a terrible game, right? But um, it wasn't all bad. Let's start with Miles Michaelis coming off two subpar outings against the Reds and the Mets where he allowed a combined 11 runs in 12 innings of work. Michaelis had an outstanding game. You know, he goes seven innings. He allows just two runs on eight hits. He strikes out three, walks just one. Michaelis is a very hittable pitcher. Uh, He's not a strikeout pitcher. He's around the zone a ton. He's not overpowering. He relies on changing speeds and pitch placement to, to get people out. So him giving up a lot of hits in a game is nothing new. I mean, heck, he's given up a league leading 108 hits (laughs) so far this season. I mean, 
eight hits is pretty normal for for a game, especially when he goes seven innings. So that's just the way it is. So I'm not going to get bent out of shape because he gave up eight hits. And the Nats didn't even get to him until that fifth inning. And I'm watching the telecast, and I'm I'm listening to Chip and Brad Thompson sit there and talk about the weather that was going on in Washington and how difficult it was going to be to hit a ball out of the park because of you know how the weather was with the rain, the gusty winds, and then boom, ninth place hitter C.J. Abrams goes yard, breaks up the scoreless game with a home run into the Cardinals bullpen with two outs in the fifth. Yes, you heard me right. Another run scores with two outs in the inning. Seems to happen a lot to this team, doesn't it? Uh, then they get back-to-back doubles in the sixth inning, gave the Nationals their second run uh, off Miles, who was then replaced by Andre Pallante in the eighth inning. He allowed a leadoff double. And this was a bad sequence because this is the way that the team has lost games throughout the year. Leadoff double, then a random wild pitch out of nowhere, ground out, <clears throat> brings home the run. That's how the other team scores. But in this case, it was the third run. And all in all, you take giving up three runs on the day against any team. You know, if, if all you gave up was three runs against every opponent you face, you're going to be okay with that. But on Wednesday, the Cardinals offense once again mysteriously vanishes. So now one of the things was that at the beginning of all this, when the lineups got released, People got kind of worked up because before the game, one name was noticeably missing from the lineup, and that was rookie sensation Jordan Walker, who has a 13-game hitting streak going right now, has been a key reason to why the Cardinals offense has begun to click a little bit over the last few games, and he was not in the lineup. He was not playing, and and all hell broke loose on social media as far as Cardinals fans going, what is going on here? What is Ali doing? What moron made up this lineup? Carlson can't hit righties. Why is he in there for Walker? Uh, how does the 21-year-old need a, an off day before the team gets two days off in a row? I felt the same way at first when I saw the lineup. I was like, wait, what? Why are we, why are we not putting him in the lineup? You know, my eyebrows got raised when I saw that. But then we find out that uh, Jordan is dealing with a cold. He's He's got a health issue. He's got He's feeling under the weather. That's why he wasn't in the lineup. Not because Ali went with some random hunch <laughs> after Carlson's two-homer effort on Tuesday. That's not what happened. Car- uh, Walker wasn't feeling good, hence why he wasn't in the lineup. And as far as the offense goes in this one, it was just one of those days again for the Cardinals. And uh, you hate to see it, but the the key hit just continues to elude them throughout the game. They go 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. They leave seven guys on base. Uh, your big dogs, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, and Wilson Contreras combined to go one for 11. Hard to win when your best hitters aren't doing anything. Nolan Gorman back in the lineup. He did manage to snap his 0 for 26 slump with an infield single in the ninth inning. But in the sixth inning, big spot. He strikes out with runners on second and third and one out, which basically squashed that potential rally. Uh, Brendan Donovan extends his hitting streak to 10. So you got to be happy about that. Lars Newbar had a couple of hits, and dude was hitting the ball hard, extremely hard on Wednesday. Uh, had a had a double in the first that was 107.7 off the bat in the eighth inning with a chance to do some, some two-out damage. Absolutely rips one, scalds it, clocked at 110 miles per hour. Problem was, went to the second baseman. It was a ground out. And, you know, some days it's just, it's just not your day. It's just not your day. And yesterday – it was one of those days for the Cardinals and it wasn't fun to watch. It was a pretty boring game altogether. They get shut out for the first time since May 29th, but just not, not exactly what you wanted to see 
on a day where you were or you had a chance to sweep the Washington Nationals. You know, you're you're trying to climb back into this thing. And when you have an opportunity to do that, you know, and, and sweep a team that you, you should be beating and you don't get it, leaves a bad taste in your mouth, doesn't it? Now, Ollie's thoughts on uh, not just yesterday's game, but on the last six games where the team was four and two. He says, quote, it was a good series, a good trip. Guys are playing extremely well offensively. Our guys, we didn't score today, but our guys actually feel pretty good about where they're at. Up and down our lineup, guys are feeling pretty good. And I felt like we fought hard in certain games. We're able to come back in certain games. I mean, what do you want them to say? <laughs> you know, to go four and two in a six-game stretch on the road with the way this team has played this year, you're going to take that. You're going to, you're going to be happy about that. And I think that's kind of what he was trying to uh, say there was that, yeah, you know, we, we, we stunk today as far as offense, but overall, look what we did <laughs> over these six games. So again, your, your team is what 13 games under 500 right now. Is that, that's where it is. I, I believe, I think they're 31 and 44 at the moment. It sucks that they lost yesterday, but they take two out of three. They win back-to-back series, okay? That's good. That's progress. Now, one of the things I've noticed is that hitting home runs, obviously a good thing, right? We all agree with that. Hitting home runs is good. But when you rely on that too much, it leads to games like you had on Wednesday. And we're going to talk more about the team's kind of ride-or-die situation with the long ball next on Locked on Cardinals. Summer is here, and if you want to look your best but also be comfortable at the same time, and who doesn't want that, uh, then, my friends, let me introduce you to my new favorite pair of shorts, and it's going to be yours, too. If you get them, that would be Bird Dogs. Goofy name, I know, but nothing goofy about how these things fit, how they feel. They're they're fantastic. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg area to give you a, a truly sculpted look. So say you, 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 you've missed leg day for the last, I don't know, five years of your life. It's going to be okay. They're still going to look good in these shorts. And uh, Bird Dogs do the exact same thing for you as the Lululemon brand does, but they fit way better because they're made of the stretchy fabric, not the stiff restricting cotton that just... It doesn't feel good. It doesn't move with you. They use a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches. So you can get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement, without feeling like everything's super tight on you and you're uncomfortable. Nobody likes that. And they use the anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So no matter what it is you're doing when you wear your bird dogs, whether it's uh, you know going to lunch or dinner, taking a walk in the park, going golfing, whatever it may be, they're going to keep you nice and cool and nice and dry the entire time. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. Enter the promo code locked on MLB for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. Uh, I've been using the Yeti style tumbler with me. Um, I don't know, for the last couple of weeks now, uh, I specifically enjoy putting my iced coffee in there right now. Me and the wife have been uh, drinking a lot of iced coffee now that it's summertime and, uh, you know, hot coffee doesn't sound so great. Stick it in that Yeti style tumbler they're going to hook you up with and it's going to stay cold. It's great. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB for the free Yeti style tumbler with your order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. 
The Cardinals are in London this weekend against the Cubs. First game will be on Saturday, and you can catch every pitch of the Cardinals' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Cardinals. Thanks for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day, and my everydayers will not be surprised to hear me say that as much as hitting home runs is fun and it's cool, right? Um, home runs get attention. They, they get the highlights. The old Nike, uh, chicks dig the long ball spot with Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin back in the 90s. Pure genius. Loved it. But hitting home runs isn't always the best way to conjure up a consistent offense. Uh, my everydayers know that my favorite Cardinals team in the history since I've been alive were the ones in the 80s who created chaos on offense, you know, with their speed. <clears throat> Excuse me. They get on base and steal bases, and they're a threat. They stretch singles into doubles and doubles into triples, and they force the defense to play absolutely perfect, or they knew that they were going to get taken advantage of. I like that. I like that brand of baseball. I like less strikeouts. I like a lot of contact. I like speed. I like creating offense. I like watching teams who are constantly hitting doubles and singles as opposed to hoping for a home run. And then when they do get one, as great as it is, it clears the bases, you know? Now, now, as much as you like getting that instant offense, and sometimes you need a home run to get you back into things or you get the walk-off. And I, I know that there's situations where the home run is great. But it also, when you're you're in the middle of a rally, clearing the bases isn't always the best thing for you, you know? Because now the pitcher can get back to throwing from the windup as opposed to throwing from the stretch. Uh, he's not worried about what the base runners might or might not do out there. You know, he's, he's got that taken away from his mindset. Now Now we can focus on the hitter. So not everyone agrees with me when I talk about this stuff. I get in arguments with people all the time about it. Some people prefer there be power threats up and down the order, that there's that element of danger with each hitter. And that's fine. The greatest offenses, obviously, are the ones who can combine all of these elements into one. You know, those late 80s teams that I talk about had the power threat of, of Jack Clark in the middle of the order. And that was about it <laughs> as far as pure sluggers go. But then you had guys like Vince Coleman and Ozzy and Willie McGee, Tommy Herr, Andy Van Slyke, Terry Pendleton. Guys who were running around creating chaos. And then you would stick Jack Clark in there who could take you yard. And it was really fun to watch. And they went to a couple of World Series playing that brand of baseball. One of the more fun offenses so far here in 2023, Tampa Bay Rays, right? Second in the league in home runs, yet first in the league in stolen bases. They combine both. They're a very balanced team. So it's no surprise that they have the best record in the league. And then you have like crazy offense that you're getting from the Texas Rangers who don't run as much, but every single dude in that lineup can hit. Like their, their batting average is disgusting as a team. You know, they just hit everything. So how does this relate to what the Cardinals are doing? Well, let me explain. The Cardinals don't have a terrible offense by any means. They don't. 11th in the league in runs scored. Sixth in home runs. Those are good things. But it's the reliance on the long ball that, although it makes the team dangerous, it, it also could be a part of the reason why they aren't a better offense overall. Um, Rob Raines at stlsportspage.com throughout the stat, and I found it very interesting. In yesterday's loss to the Nationals, 
it was the fourth time in 18 games in June that the Cardinals failed to hit a home run, which you think is pretty good, right? Yet the team is six and 12 in the month. On the season, the team is five and 20 when they failed to hit at least one home run. Five and 20? The reliance on the long ball to plate runs is an issue for this team because it's a very station-to-station type of offense. And I'm not the only one who's pointed this out. I've had other guys from the Locked On uh, Podcast Network, when I'm doing crossovers, pointed out that you guys don't really do much, do you? You just kind of like, hey, we run to first, and then we run to second, and then we hope for a home run. And that's pretty much it. There's no other concerns about this team. You don't see much bunting. They have just four sacrifice bunts on the year, which is the fourth lowest amount in the league. Crazy stat, the Atlanta Braves, as good as they are, have zero. They don't have any (laughs) sacrifice bunts this year. Uh, Sacrifice flies. They have just 14, which is the third lowest in the league. I know they don't have a ton of speedsters. I realize that. So they don't steal all that much. They're in the middle of the pack in stolen bases with 52. Only Tommy Edmond has double-digit steals. And you, another crazy stat while I was looking this up, second on the team with eight stolen bases this year, who do you think it is? Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt, <laughs> your first baseman, your mid-30s first baseman on the backside of 35, leads or is second on the team in stolen bases with eight. Uh, the team has been caught 16 times trying to steal bases, which is not good. That's the sixth highest amount in the league. So you need some improvement there. And to me, it just makes this offense more susceptible to days like you saw on Wednesday, where if you don't get the long fly, the offense just looks like it's kind of stuck in the mud and they can't really find other ways to get guys around the bases to score. So guys are stranded. Now with runners in scoring position this year, the team is uh, second in the league in home runs, second in the league, 28 behind only the Giants and the Rangers, who both have 30. Great, right? But they're just 13th in total hits with runners in scoring position. Now, that's not awful by any means. In fact, I thought the number was going to be lower when I looked it up. But my point isn't that the Cardinals have a bad offense because they don't. It's just that I feel like they rely so much on the home run that they rely on it a little too much that it's kind of like if we don't get it, we're probably not going to score. Like uh, when I was looking that up, almost 20% of their hits with runners in scoring position is is a home run. That's great when you get it, but what about the rest of the time, (laughs) you know? And I realized this too, that you, you have to have the right type of players to run more, okay? And this team does not have that. I get that. I understand that, and that's why they don't do it. Tyler O'Neill is a guy that you were you were hoping would add speed and that stolen base element to the squad, but he but he's always hurt. He's not on the field. He traded away Bader, who had that top level speed on the bases, but he's out. He's gone. Uh, Newt runs well, I guess you can say that, but he's had his injuries, so he hasn't been out there enough to to really get going on the base paths. Jordan Walker is a guy who's got very underrated speed. In fact, his sprint speed is is in the 79th percentile in the league. But outside of that, man, it is a very, very slow team. And I just feel like if they had that extra element, 
to it, where they where they created a little more chaos on the bases, that it would open up this offense to be that much better. Now, it's something that you're probably not going to be able to fix this year unless you do something at the trade deadline that, you know, brings in those type of players. But it's something that maybe they need to start looking for when they start paying attention to next year. Just my opinion. Am I crazy? Am I crazy for thinking this? I, I want to know. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Let me know in the comments down below on YouTube and on Twitter. Speaking of comments, we got a bunch yesterday about my Paul DeYoung thoughts. We're going to dive into those next on Locked on Cardinals. The Cardinals are off to London to face the Cubs this weekend, and you can catch every pitch of the Cardinals hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Cardinals. Interaction with the listener is my favorite part about doing this podcast and doing this show. And whether we agree or disagree, it's all good. This is nothing. None of this is personal. So anytime you get all upset in the comments uh, under YouTube or on Twitter, it's okay. I'm never getting mad back at you. I never will. It's it just we're, we're Cardinals fans talking ball. That's what we're doing. And I love it. So yesterday I did an episode asking if Paul DeYoung this season is underrated. For what he's been doing so far, what he's been able to provide, not only at the plate, but also defensively, because he's been outstanding. And some of the comments, uh, there were some people who agreed with me. They were like, you know what? Yeah, like this one. LLW Wiffleball says, I didn't agree that he was underrated until you backed yourself up with numbers from other all-stars. And thank you, Wiffleball. You know, I try to provide uh, some proof for the things that I talk about. I was, I was as shocked as anyone to see how Paul DeYoung compared to other guys around the league. And sure, some of the guys like a, a Trey Turner, a Dansby Swanson, they're probably going to pick up the pace at some point and be better hitters than Paul DeYoung will be at the end of the season. But right now, Paulie D is holding his own. And if the Redbirds can't get back into this thing again, you're, uh, what, 13 games under 500? I wonder what his trade value might be you know, uh, at, at the trade deadline. You know, I wonder if people are going to um, think about Paul DeYoung as an option, as somebody to, to add depth to their team. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of people who are going to be wanting to trade for him and him be the starter, barring any injuries or anything like that. But I think he might have some trade value at the trade deadline. And Frederick Bradley, 8255, kind of backs me up on this thing. He says here, I've watched other channels from other teams and DeYoung's name gets mentioned quite frequently as a potential trade piece. So other teams, fans are certainly paying attention to Paul and at $9 million is very affordable. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I'm not saying that you're going to get some top pitching prospect. I'm not saying they're going to give you like a top five guy from their, uh, from their organization, but something is better than nothing. Isn't it for a guy who just last year you sent to the minor leagues and never, knew if he was ever going to make it back up to the big leagues. I mean, you'd be happy to get anything in return, right? It's not going to be some superstar that you're going to get in return. It's, it's just not going to happen, but it could be a piece that you can use towards making your franchise better moving into the future and not so much concerned about this year. 618 Bengals cards fan says, and right on cue, DeYoung goes 0 for 3 with two Ks. I wouldn't say he's underrated. He's more inconsistent. One thing he can do consistently is hit a fastball over the plate. He needs to show more discipline and consistency at the plate to really reach his potential of being an underrated player for me. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Paul has uh, definitely has his peaks and valleys, doesn't he, when uh, when he's hitting throughout the season? And it's part of the frustrating part about Paul DeYoung as a hitter because you'll see him go high for like a seven, eight-game stretch, and then he just vanishes for like six games. Where like, I mean, where he is 0 for 20 with like 11 Ks, and you're like, this is the worst hitter I've ever seen. But then he comes back up, and it's just who he is. It's just who he is. I don't think at this point in his career that he's going to change. I mean, he is what he is right now. And he's kind of an all-or-nothing guy, too. I was looking at his stats. Um, 28% of Paul DeYoung's hits this year are home runs. 28%. 40 total hits, 11 of them have left the yard. And then when I was doing more research, you know who else is that way? Nolan Gorman. Nolan Gorman's got 54 total hits this year, 15 of them have cleared the wall. So right at 28% again, as far as uh, home runs of his hits, 28% of them are home runs. And I didn't hear anyone complaining about Nolan Gorman until he started slumping this month. Everybody seemed pretty darn happy with the way he was hitting the ball and what you know he was able to provide at the plate. Now, I will say, I hope that Nolan Gorman's a much better hitter than Paul DeYoung for the rest of his career, but he still just turned 23. He's got some time, not too worried about it. Just seems like he's having a bad month, but uh, I hope that doesn't remain that way, that he ha- he's able to do damage in other ways than uh, just hitting home runs and become that home run or strikeout type of guy. I hope that's not where we're going with this, but the verdict is in. If I had a gavel, I'd pound it right now. I'm going to stick by my uh, initial statement that Paul DeYoung is indeed underrated this season. I think he's thought of as a worse player than he really is and is tainted goods for for most fans because of how bad he was over the last couple of seasons. And I get that. But uh, production-wise this year, you can't really ignore it. You can't. And to have the defensive side as well that Paul DeYoung has provided, it's been fantastic. I mean, there's not many people who have been better than him as far as uh, fielding percentage and just being a solid shortstop. And again, it's allowed Tommy Edmond to branch out and become your center fielder. And uh, he may stay there for the rest of the year. We don't know yet, but uh, it's looking that way because they have a lot of trust in him out in center field. All right. Thanks for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. Appreciate all your thoughts and comments on Twitter and on YouTube. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Stay interactive. We love it. Tomorrow we're going to be talking trade ideas. Since the guys have another day off tomorrow, I figured um need to dive into this trade stuff because people are starting to really talk about Cardinals players as being key pieces for teams who are probably going to make the playoffs or are destined to make a playoff push at some point. So names like Jack Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery, Paul Goldschmidt is popping up a lot. So we're going to talk all about, about all of that stuff tomorrow. Be sure to catch every pitch of the Cardinals hometown broadcast for this weekend's game against the Cubs in London with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Cardinals. If you haven't already, please give us a follow on Twitter at JD Sports Radio and at LO underscore Cardinals. Like, subscribe on YouTube. You're the best fans in baseball for a reason, and I'll see you next time on Locked on Cardinals.